0: This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. I'm going to be narrowing down mind to depression and trials of our faith. Now, in continuing the series on joy, I'm going to be talking about depression and trials of our faith. So, I'm going to continue the series of joy, you know. But today, I'm going to be focusing on depression and trials of our faith now what is joy joy is cheerfulness joy is a calm delight joy means rejoicing now joy also means to be to be merry, to cheer up joy also means to be in good spirits now today i said i'll be talking about depression and trials of our faith as it pertains to joy for us as believers in christ now i define joy as cheerfulness as calm delight you know rejoicing ability to be cheerful to be in good spirits that is what joy is now what is depression because i told you that today i'm going to be narrowing down mind to depression and trials of our faith what is depression depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest now today i'm going to be focusing on depression and the trials of our faith and i was saying to us that depression means a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest and so depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent a continuous feeling of sadness so the problem is not that someone feels sad but the problem is when you persistently feel sad you continuously consistently feel sad and you lose interest in everything so depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. But joy means cheerfulness. Joy is a calm delight. Joy means to rejoice. It means to be in good spirit. Now, we all know that the opposite of joy is sadness. And sadness is what leads to depression because I define depression as a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness. So, for you to be depressed, it must be that you have experienced sadness and now you are experiencing it persistently or consistently. So when sadness becomes consistent, when it becomes a persistent feeling, then depression has set in. So depression is a mood disorder that Causes a persistent feeling of sadness but the truth is you cannot be depressed if sadness has not come on board so for you to be depressed it must be that you, you have been sad all the while so sadness is always caused by an experience that does not meet up with our expectation so this is it sadness is the opposite of joy a persistent or continuous feeling of sadness is depression so depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest so sadness is such that if a person continues to feel sad it will lead to depression before you know the person begins to lose interest in everything in life and you see depression can be suicidal it can lead to suicide because once you continue to Feel sad and you continuously have that feeling of sadness. You begin to lose interest in everything. You are depressed. What it will eventually lead to is suicide, loss of life. Because if you lose interest in everything, that means you lose interest in life, and it will lead to suicide. Now, but the topic is joy. But today I'm going to be focusing on depression and trials of our faith. Now, I was saying to us that depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness. But the truth is this: the reason why you are depressed or a person is depressed is because there's a continuous feeling of sadness that that causes a person to begin to lose interest in everything. Now, sadness is caused by experiences that do not meet up with our expectations. Sadness can also be defined as an emotional pain, associated or characterized by feelings of disadvantage, despair, grief, helplessness, disappointment, and sorrow. So, sadness is an emotional pain, and it is caused by or characterized with feelings of disadvantage disappointment and sorrow. So, sadness is caused by, you know, a feeling of disadvantage or disappointment. So, experiences that do not meet up with our expectations, when we have experiences that make us feel disadvantaged or disappointed, then that will lead to sadness. And a continuous feeling of sadness will lead to depression. Now, for us as believers in Christ, there are experiences that we have that will lead to sadness. There are experiences we have that will lead to sadness, and if we are not careful, can actually lead to depression. Now, what are these experiences Experiences. The Bible refers to these experiences as the trials of our faith. The Bible also calls them temptations. The Bible also refers to them as afflictions and you see these are things we go through every day. as long as we are believers in Christ now there are general experiences that men have on earth but for us in Christ any experience we have that contradicts the word of God any experience we have that does not align with what the word of God says about us is a trial of our faith that experience is trying our faith that experience is testing our faith that is what trials of our faith means so trial of our faith means test of our faith the Bible also refers to it as 10 It means trials of our faith, tests of our faith. So, any experience you have as a believer that contradicts the word of God, that does not align with what the word of God says about you, that experience is testing your faith. That experience is trying your faith. And if you are not careful, that experience will lead to sadness it will make you feel sorrowful because you are disappointed you expect more you know you're as a believer there are experiences you ought to have as a believer in Christ but when you begin to have experiences that contradict your faith, experiences that not meet up with the word of God then it will lead to sadness and if care is not taken that sadness a continuous feeling of sadness will lead to depression now first peter chapter one quickly 1st peter chapter one. First peter chapter one first peter chapter one we're going to read from verse three to seven quickly, First Peter chapter 1 from verse 3 to 7. So I was telling us that sadness is caused by or associated with a feeling of disadvantage, despair, grief, helplessness, disappointment and sorrow. And I said sadness is caused by experiences that do not meet up with our expectations. Experiences that that cause us to feel disappointed or helpless or the experiences that cause us to feel like we are disadvantaged because we know what we are able to experience in Christ. So there are experiences that every other people can have on earth and they do not see it as a problem, they see it as a normal thing. But for us as believers in Christ there are experiences we have that we know that these experiences ought not to be because these experiences do not align with the word of God. These experiences are what we call Trials of our faith. These experiences are there to try our faith, to test our faith. They are also called temptations. Now, first Peter chapter one, we're going to read quickly from verse 3 to 7. First Peter chapter 1, from verse 3 to 7. The Bible says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to so an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time wherein ye greatly rejoice now verse 6 and 7 is where I'm really going to it says wherein ye greatly rejoice though now for a season if need be ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations then he puts a colon if you are reading from the old King James version and in verse 7 it says that the trial of our faith be so much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, first Peter chapter 1, from verse 6 and 7, Peter says that, wherein we greatly rejoice, he says, Though now for a season, if need be, in other words, Peter says, Though now for a season, if it is necessary, that means. It is not necessary, you don't have to go to trials. but it says, if need be, if it is necessary, we are in evidence through manifold temptation. So, Peter says there is something called temptation that we go through as believers in Christ, but it says we don't have to always go through them, but it says, if need be, in other words, if it is necessary, we are in evidence. In other words, what is evidence? Evidence is like to be in distress, to be sad to be sorrowful. So he's saying that if need be, we grieve. If need be, we are sad through manifold temptations. So there's something called temptations and that's why I call the trials of our faith because if you go for that, it puts a call of verse 7 which says that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perishes. In other words, he lets you know that this thing he calls temptations is also called the trial of your faith. So Peter says here that though we rejoice greatly, though now for a season, if need be, we are we are in heaviness through manifold temptations. So Peter says, if need be, for a season, if need be, if it is necessary, we are in heaviness. You In other words, he says that if it is necessary, be grieved. If it is necessary, we are sad through manifold temptations. Manifold them is through diverse temptations. And in our goes to explain what he means by temptation in verse 7. He says that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Peter says here that there is something we go through called manifold temptations he also calls it the trial of our faith and he says this trial of our faith is more precious than the trying of gold in fire he says that if need be because of these manifold temptations because of these diverse trials of our faith we are in heaviness if need be if it is necessary so we don't have to go through trials but it's just if it is necessary in our walk of faith there are times when it will be necessary for us to go through trials and peter says here that what this trial does to us is that it causes us to be in heaviness it causes us to, to be sad. It causes us to grieve. It causes us to distress. Because we are going through experiences that do not meet up with the word of God. Now, why do we go through trials of our faith? Because Peter has said that we have been able to establish the fact that there's something called manifold temptations, diverse temptations. It causes the trial of our faith. And he says when we go through it, we are in heaviness. It causes us to have feeling of sadness. But he says that this trial of our faith is more precious than of God. And he says there that it need be. That means we don't have to always go through trials. But if it is necessary in this work of faith, we go through it. Now, why do we go through this trials of faith? Why do we go through this experience that could cause us to grieve and that could cause us to, to be heavy in our hearts, to have heavy acts? James chapter 1. James chapter 1, quickly. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Now, so Peter has established there the fact that we go through something called diverse temptations, manifold temptations. He says, if need be, if it is necessary. For a season, we go through these trials and we are in heaviness when we are going through them. Why are we in heaviness? Because these experiences do not meet up with the word of God. These experiences do not align with the word of God. But he says, if it is necessary, we go through them. Our faith is simply being tried by these experiences. And he says, this trial of our faith is more precious than the trying of gold in fire. Now, James chapter 1, I was saying to us that, why do we go through trials of our faith? Why do we have to go through these trials these experiences that are not aligned with the word of god that trial our faith that causes us to experience happiness now james chapter 1 verse 13 and 14. look at what james says he says let no man say when he's tempted he's still talking about the trials of our faith? i am tempted of god so he says let no man say when he's tempted i am tempted of god he says for god cannot be tempted with evil neither tempted any man but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own loss and in now what is james saying here i asked a question and said why do we go through trials why do we go through these manifold temptations that cause us to be in evidence?" like peter said james answers that question he says every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own loss so he says in verse 13 that let no man say when he goes to a trial of his faith Or when he goes to an experience that it's below the standard of God's word. Let no man say that I am tempted of God. He says God does not tempt any man. Neither can God tempt any man with evil. But says every man is tempted, when he is drawn away of his own lot and enticed, what is he saying here? This is it. He says that every time you go through a trial of your faith, every time you go through an experience that does not meet up with the word of God, he says it's because of something called lust. He says every man is tempted when he's drawn away. You know that was when we are carried away of our own lust and enticed. Now what is lust? Lust here means a longing. Lust here means craving. A desire for what is not right. So you know that was every believer lost for something. At one point or the other, every believer has prayed for him. But this loss is not sin because it goes further in verse 15. He says, Then when loss are conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Let's you know that this loss is different from sin. It's not saying you are you are sinned or you have you are sinned, it. he's saying you lost, you are enticed. So this is it. You crave for something that is not of god you desire something that is not of god he says that is why you are going to trials of your faith and i want to give you an example an example is pride so for example a man has the tendency to be proud he's a believer in christ he has a walk with god and that's why the bible says there are three things in the world because of the loss of the eyes the loss of the flesh and the pride of life so every time a man is thrown away in other words you are getting carried away by your own loss by your own longings your cravings your desires God allows this trial so that you can be put back on track. Now, God is not the one tempted to be tempting you, but He says, You are tempted because you are drawn away of your own loss You are the one that exposed yourself to that attack. You expose yourself to that attack of the devil. God does not tempt any man with evil, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. In other words, our faith is tried because we are drawn away of our own lust. We are experiencing that thing that does not align with the word of God because we are drawn away of our own lust. Now, You begin to say to yourself, what kind of loss is it? that a man will be going through that will make him go through an experience that is below the standard of God's word. And that's what I was saying to us, that sometimes it's his pride. So for example, there's something called the pride of life. There's the lust of the eyes, there's the lust of the flesh. Now, for example, a man a man has the tendency to be proud. A man has the tendency to walk in pride. God allows him to go through an experience that humbles him. Now, it is not God that brought that experience. That man exposed himself to that experience because he was away with his own loss. He desired to be proud. He had created this that was taking him to the path of pride. Now, those cravings expose him to the attack of the devil. And then God allows that experience to put him back on track. That's what he's talking about. So he says, every man is tempted when he's drawn the way of Solomon. So, you see, a believer go through an experience that own him. Because God is trying to keep him back on track. And I will show you examples how Paul even says it about an experience he had. And Paul says it, that's exactly why he went through that trial. Now, if you go to James chapter 1, James chapter one, the same James chapter one verse two to four you will now see because we will look at it that if the reason for the trial is that we are drawn away of our own loss. if the reason why we are going through those trials those experiences that are not aligned with the word of God is because we are drawn away we are enticed we are carried away by our own praise and desire so you begin to ask yourself so what is God trying to achieve by allowing us go through this trial now if you go to James chapter one we are going to read verse three and four look at what James says in the same James chapter one verse three and four he says knowing this That the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse four, he says, "But let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing." Now James establishes here the fact that the reason why God allows us. To go through these trials of our faith is because God wants to produce patience in us. In other words, God wants us to learn to wait upon him. Because when we are going through that trial, that experience that contradicts the word of God, the tendency is that you wait upon the Lord. You will pray. You will be with God. So, for example, if maybe you are someone that you are a businessman, your business is being verified for me, and suddenly you lose all your money. Something happens. You are joining a your own loss. An example is maybe you are scammed. That's why it says you are drawn away of your own loss. So if you are on this platform and you have been scammed before, go and check it. You will say, "Oh God, how come I didn't know that this was scammers?" But that the point is not. That's not the point. The point is you are drawn away of your own loss. You are carried away by your desire for more money, by your love for money. So one of the experience, one of the things that God wants to get rid of in us is the love for money. So for example, you are a businessman. You have been fine. God is helping you, and suddenly someone introduces a business idea to you, or something you can invest in that will triple your money in days. Now, this is it. You have been doing your business constantly and you have been making money. But of course, your drive for more money, the love for money, you decide to put your money in it. You have been drawn away by your own loss and then you are scammed. You lose all your money and you have nothing. Now, what has happened to you? Your faith has been tried because you already know you are the blessed of God. You cannot be poor. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. But you now find yourself in a situation where you don't have anything. How did you get to that point? You are drawn away from your own loss. You are carried away by your own craving for more money. Now, what Obviously, we happen to you as a believer. If you have your work with God, that to begin to spend more time with God because now there's no solution anywhere. You have lost everything you have. You wait upon the Lord. So, he said that the trying of your faith will work patience. It will teach you to be patient. It will teach you to wait upon the Lord. And he says, let patience have a perfect work in you. You know that was? Let that experience, that trial of your faith, let it take its course. He it says, let patience have a perfect work that you might be perfect and entire wanting nothing. So, the reason why God allows us to go through these trials, is so that he can bring that perfection in us so that we can be as our father so the bible says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect so god is perfect and god is trying to bring us on to perfection and in bringing us to perfection, we go through these trials of our faith. God trims us, God prunes us through this trials. Now, God is not the one bringing the affliction upon us. He's not the one bringing the trial upon us. But every time we are thrown away for our own loss, whether through pride or through love for money or cravings for fornication, for adultery, then we alter ourselves. And when we utter ourselves, we begin to look for God. We begin to wonder where we are going through certain things. And then God knows that that experience will bring out patience in us, cause us to come unto perfection. And so God allows it. So every time we are tempted, every time we go to an experience that contradicts our faith, what has happened is that we have been drawn away of our own loss. Now, I want to show you examples of people that went through trials of their faith in the Bible. And it will amaze you to know that even Jesus Christ himself, when he was a man upon the face of the earth, he went through trials because God wanted to bring out perfection in him. Now, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 5 to 9. Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 5 to 9. It says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared So he says here that Jesus in the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto God that was able to save him from death. And he was heard in that he feared. But verse 8 is really where I'm going to. Look at what it says. It says, though he were a son, talking about Jesus Christ, just to let you know that as believers are sons of God, that our experiences will go through. And God will allow it to prune us, to bring us unto perfection. So verse, it says, though he were his son, talking about Jesus Christ. Yet lend the obedience by the things which he suffered. It's letting you know yet that if Jesus went to trials, he suffered things. These sufferings things are trials of his faith. Everything you go through that contradicts the word of God, that does not align with the word of God concerning you, is suffering. It's a trial of your faith. So the Bible says about Jesus that though he was a even though he was the first begotten of God, he says he learned obedience. Why did God allow him go through that suffering? He says he had to learn obedience. And that's why God allows us to go through trials, so that we can learn, so that we can come on perfection, so that those drive, that drive for loss, those, those cravings, those cravings that we have that are not of God, so that God can heal those cravings, so that those cravings can Die those desires for wrong things can die in So the Bible says about Jesus that though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. So Jesus suffered things, he went through trials because God needed him to learn obedience. Now, so we have the idea that Jesus was a perfect man. Yes, he was perfect, and to we are perfect in Christ. But guess what? In experience, we are going on to perfection. Positionally, we are perfect, but in experience, we are going on to perfection. And he says it about Jesus to die to learn the obedience. Do you learn what you already know? If I know something perfect, do I need to learn it? So, even Jesus has a man on earth, he had to learn obedience by the trials of his faith. And look at what he says in verse 9. He says, and be made perfect. So, the reason why God allowed Jesus to go through those sufferings, the reason why God allowed Jesus to go through those trials of his faith, was so that he could come into perfection. So, he says, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and be made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation, unto all them have believe." So, look at it. The same James 1-3 and four says that, knowing this, that the trying of our faith worketh patience. He says, let patience have a perfect work in you, that it might be complete and that perfect, lacking not so. I was saying to Lord that the reason why we go through trials is so that we can come on to perfection. That's why God allows us to go through trials, to bring us on to perfection. And it's the same thing about Jesus here. He says, though he were his son, yet lengthy obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation author of them that will be. So, the reason why Jesus could author this salvation we are in was because he too left obedience. He too suffered. He went to trials. He became a man like us. So the Bible says that he was not tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He too was tempted. He went to trials. He, that's why the Bible says we do not have an high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. We do not have an high priest that cannot feel what we are feeling. We do not have an high priest that cannot experience the kind of trials we are expressing. He says it was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus too went through trials. Jesus too went through sufferings. He went through challenges. Things that contradicted his faith. And the Bible says he learned obedience by these experiences And when he came on to perfection, God made him the author of eternal salvation to all of us that obey him. Now I want to show us another example of another person that went through trials with his faith. Apostle Paul, Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. We are going to read from verse seven down to verse ten. Now, I was saying to us from James. Uh, the Bible says in James 1 13 and 14 that let no man say when he's tempted that like he's tempted of God, that God does not tempt any man, neither tempted tempt any man with evil, but that every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And I was saying to us that we are tempted because of our cravings for the wrong things. Cravings, you know, we have a tendency to be proud, a tendency to love money. It is those wrong desires that cause us to be exposed to those experiences, that cause us to be exposed to those attacks of the devil. And God allows it. Not because he cannot do something about it, but because he needs us to come unto perfection. Jesus went through it. And let me show you the example of Apostle Paul. And I want to show you how Paul himself said it that this is the reason why I'm going to this trial of my faith. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 7. Look at this, follow this closely. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Now look at this. Paul says in second corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Look at it closely. He says, Lest I should be exalted above measure. In other words, Paul is saying that I had a tendency to be proud why because of abundance of revelation so paul is saying look paul wrote most of the epistles that you see in the bible paul had so much revelation of jesus christ but paul said there's an experience i went through and the reason why i went through that experience is because god needed me to lose that desire to be proud and look at it paul says Lest i should be exalted to be above measure through abundance of revelation so god saw it in paul that because paul had the abundance of revelation he had the tendency to be proud and look at it he said lest i should be exalted above measure through abundance of revelation there was given to me a thorn in the flesh who gave it to him the bible says god does not tempt him so it was satan and because he, he says the messenger of satan to perfect me lest i should be exalted above measure so paul knew why he was going through this trial paul said there was a thorn in his flesh and that the reason for that thorn in his flesh was because he had the tendency to feel exalted above measure because of abundance of revelation so, Paul says, Come, I have the tendency to be proud. But God allowed me to go through an experience that tried my faith. The servant of Satan came to buffet me. There was a thorn in my flesh. Now, he doesn't stop there. In verse 8, he says, For this thing, I besought sure the Lord thrice that he might depart from me. So, where Paul was going through his experience, I don't know what the experience is, but he was going through an experience. And this experience contradicted his faith. And Paul knew. That the reason why he was going through this was because he had the tendency to feel above, to feel exalted above measure because of abundance of revelation. So Paul says that I besought the Lord three times. You know, that was verse. He says, I spoke to God about it three times. Now you would have thought that God would take that experience from him, God would take that child away. But no, look at what God says to him in verse He says, And he said unto me. He said unto me, Look at what Jesus said to Paul. He says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul said, Come, I was going through something that tried my faith. I was going through an experience that caused me to grieve, that caused me to be in heaviness. And that the reason for that experience was because I had the tendency to be proud because of abundance of revelation. He said, when I spoke to God about it three times, all that God said to me was my grace is sufficient for you. You know that was? God is saying, you have to go through this thing so that you can come out to perfection. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So that's what I experienced. God says you have to go through it for you to come out in perfection. So Jesus went through his trials. Paul went through. his. Op- Paul even tells us why he went through. And that's how the Bible says every man is tempted when he's thrown away off so lost. So the loss for Paul was pride. Paul had the tendency to be proud because he had the abundance of revelation. Now, one of these you also said is, how do we come out of this trials of faith? Because now we have established the fact that there's something called trials of faith, and I told you this trials could lead to it will lead to sadness, it will lead to heaviness, and it could lead to depression if you are not careful. How do we come out of this trial? Because if you don't know how to come out, there's a tendency you will get sad, and if you continue to, if you continue in that sadness, you will get depressed. And believe me, depression is suicidal. So even as a believer in Christ, tongue-speaking believer, to study your Bible, you have a work with God, you must know how to come out of trials. You must know how to navigate your way out of expressing that do not align with the word of God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. How do we come out of this trial? First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So it is established that we go through trials of our faith, but there's a way to come out of these trials. There's a way, and I the to show us how the Bible actually says God has God usually makes a way in those trials. And I will show us what that way is. Now, first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Look at what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says, There are no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. Glory to God. So Paul says, there's no trial you are going through. There's no experience you are going through, but such as is common to man. That these experiences are common to man. Every man goes through these kind of temptations. These temptations that Peter calls, manifold temptations, that causes us to, to experience heaviness of heart for a season. He says that there's no temptation taking you. There's no experience, there's nothing you are experiencing that contradicts the word of God that is not common to man. So every experience you have that does not align like with the word of God, you are not the first person going through You are not going to be last. So he said, "There's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man." But look at what Paul said. He says, "For God is God is faithful and you see this is the this is the major thing you must know he said but God is faithful so Paul had his own trial Paul even said I know why I'm going through this trial it's not God that brought it on me Satan. satan but he said the reason is pride I have the tendency to be proud but he said, even when I spoke to God all that God said was my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in your goodness Jesus too went through his soul the Bible says he learned to through the things which he suffered and being made perfect he became the author of eternal salvation so Jesus went through his soul too and he came out in perfection now Paul now says, there's no temptation, you are experiencing, There's no trial. But such as is common to man. Every man is going through that trial." He says, but God is faithful. But God is faithful. He doesn't stop there. He says, who will not suffer you? you know, now who will not allow you to be tempted above that are able But will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to get? Hallelujah. Now Paul says here, he says, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. He says, but God is faithful. So, in the midst of that trial, he says, Know that God is faithful and it says God will not suffer you, He will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. In other words, God will not allow you to go through a trial of your faith that is above you, that is beyond you. So he says, He will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. In other words, God will not allow you to go through an experience that is above you. So for every believer, depending on your level in Christ, there's a trial of your faith that there's a trial of faith that can be above your level. He says God will not allow you to go to a temptation that is above you. But He says He will, with the temptation, make also make a way to escape. So God will not take you out of that temptation. No, that's why when you cooperate with God, God said my grace is sufficient for you. He says God will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. So it is in the midst of that trial, it is in the midst of that experience that God will open a way of escape for you so that you'll be able to get so there's a way of escape out of that trial but God doesn't take you out of that trial God doesn't take that trial away from you but God causes you to go through it and makes a way of escape inside that temptation for you now you begin to ask yourself what is this way of escape you know I want to let you know today that the way of escape is joy and I will prove it to you the way of escape out of every trial out of every temptation out of every experience that contradicts the word of God in your life is joy and that's why First Peter 1 Paul Peter says that when we go through these temptations, we might be in heaviness for a season. That heaviness is sorrow. So what the devil wants to achieve is to make you sorrowful, is to make you lack joy. And once you to remain in that state of sorrowfulness. Nothing will change. That way of escape, you will not find it. Because that temptation, there's a way of escape. There's a way God has created. God will not bring you up, but he has created a path for you to escape. If you are sorrowful, if you are in that state of sadness, you will not find that way of escape. Now, how did I know this? Now, I want you to first know this, that prayer is the key. To escape out of every trial, prayer is the key. But you see, this prayer must come with joy. So, you could pray. If you pray in sadness, that prayer will not yield any result. Because joy is actually the way of escape. But prayer means fellowship. So, fellowship is the key. So, the Bible says in Psalm 16, verse 11, that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. So, for example, I'm going through to to an experience that contradicts the word of God. What I need to do is fellowship with God. Pray. So, prayer is the key. Actually, but you see, in that prayer, there has to be joy. If there's no joy in that prayer, do not find that way of escape. And prayer there does not mean you know that just as prayer there means fellowship with God. So as to fellowship with God, the Bible says in this presence, there is fullness of God. What happens is that you begin to experience joy, and that joy opens your eyes to see the way of escape. Now, how did I know this? James chapter 5, quickly. James chapter 5, verse 13. James chapter 5, verse 13. James chapter 5, verse 13 james chapter 5 verse 13. i was saying to all that joy is the way of escape out of every trial out of every temptation now james chapter 5 verse thirteen. weekly look at what the bible says he says is any among you afflicted let him pray so i was saying to all that prayer is key. now prayer here means fellowship with god now under that prayer there is the prayer of supplication. Making requests to God. There's just fellowship with God. There's thanksgiving. Do you understand? There's intercession. But it says, if you are afflicted, afflicted, that means if you are going to a trial, If you are suffering, just like Jesus suffered. And the Bible says, he offered us strong crying and tears. He offered up prayers and supplication. In the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplication. Jesus prayed. And the Bible says, his sweat was like great drops of God. But guess what? That prayer must not be sadness. Job must come with it. So he says, is any afflicted among you? let him pray. But it doesn't stop there. He says, Is any marriage? Let him sing songs. You know why? Look, any prayer that does not come with joy, this singing sounds is the part of thanksgiving. Any prayer to make to God that does not come with a heart of gratitude, that does not come with thanksgiving, we will not yield any results. So joy is the way of escape. But for you to express this joy, for you to find that way of escape through joy, you must pray. In that place of prayer, you have to be merry. So he says, Is any affected? Let him pray. You could not stop there. He says, Is any marriage? You have to be made. You, you have to have a cheerful heart. He said, joyful. He says, let him sing, sir. You know why? Because in that place of prayer, thanksgiving must come with it. Now, you will now understand why Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, quickly. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, quickly. Look at what Paul says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says, he says, be careful for nothing. And you know, that's what I was saying to us. He says, is any afflicted? Let him pray. He doesn't stop there. He says, Is any Let him sing songs. So you must just be praying. You have to be singing songs. You have to be singing hymns to God. You have to back it up with songs, songs of deliverance. You know, that's why the psalmist said, God has compassed me about with songs of deliverance. The song that will deliver you out of that trial. The song that will deliver you out of that experience, that sickness, that experience, that demotion. He said they are called songs of deliverance. You will sing songs. Now look at what Paul says in Philippians 4:6. He says, be careful for nothing. In other words, every time you are going to express it according to the word of God, you become anxious. There's a tendency to become anxious. You begin to care, you begin to worry. He says, be careful for nothing. But he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Why does he say that? Because he says, Is any affliction, let him pray. He said, Mary, let him sing some. it must come with thanksgiving. He must come with a merry heart. It must come with gratitude. So he says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, and supplication. It says we with thanksgiving. We with. notice the change, the, the difference in tenses. He says, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving must come with it. He says, make your request known unto God. With thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving is where he says, Is any merry? Let's sing songs. When you begin to sing songs unto God, this kind of thanksgiving, the Bible calls this because it sacrifice of praise. This is what the Bible refers to as sacrifice of praise because you have an experience that contradicts the word of God, but you are still praising God. It's called sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of, praise. Sacrifice of thanksgiving. With the of our lives, it's a sacrifice because it's not convenient. It's not a prayer that is convenient. It's not thanksgiving that is convenient. But you just give it to God because God deserves it. It's a act of gratitude in a situation where you ought to show gratitude, but you are just giving thanks. You are just praising God. So, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. So. The joyful heart is the way of escape. Every time you experience a trial, he says you should pray. But he it says, Is any Let's sing some. As you sing those songs to God, you are delivered from that experience. So the Bible says, God will compass us about with songs of deliverance, he will compass us about with songs that will deliver us. Now, Isaiah chapter 54, quickly. Isaiah chapter 54, you begin to see Isaiah says something important. Isaiah 54 verse 1. Look at what Isaiah says. You know, every time we are going through experiences that are not aligned with the word of God, what you need to know is that the devil wants to steal your joy. That experience will cause you to have the heavy heart. But the solution, the way out of that experience is joy. And that joy comes through singing. It comes through sacrifice of praise. It's sacrifice because it's not convenient. It's sacrifice of thanksgiving. You just give it to God, knowing that God is faithful. That's why in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, but God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you can bear? God is faithful. So because I know God is faithful, even though I'm expressing something that I was not aligned with the word of God, I know God is faithful. So I begin to sing songs. I begin to sing psalms to God. Look at this, Isaiah 54 verse 1. Look at what Isaiah says. He says, sing, O barren, thou that is not bear, pray for this who singing and cry aloud. That that is not shave with child. Have you seen a person that is barren? Look at what God says to that person. He says, sing, O barren. Sing. Why does he say sing and barren? You are saying I should sing. It's like he saying offer sacrifice of praise to God. He says sing, go barren, and said, break forth into singing. It. ye that did not get. So I am expressing. to so maybe I am expressing barrenness in any area of my life. He says you should sing. He says you should sing unto God. You should break forth into sing. Break forth. Break out of that trial. Break forth. You know that's the word he uses in Old you King know? James. He says break forth into sing. break forth, that means there's something holding you down, there's something that does not want to allow you to sing praises to God, but it says break forth into singing, break forth into singing, you know why, because these songs is what produces the oil of joy, now joy is not something that just comes, joy has an oil that produces it, there's an oil that needs to flow for you to experience joy, and that's why you need to sing songs, that oil is called the anointing of God's Spirit, and that's why he talks. He emphasizes songs. He says by prayers so of petition with thanksgiving. He says he may let him sing songs. Now Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. Quickly. Ephesians chapter of the fire. That's why he emphasizes songs. You need to sing. He says, break forth into singing. Another words, break out of that experience. Don't let that experience hold you down. Just sing to God. Worship him. Praise him. Give thanks. It's not covenant. He says, sacrifice. Don't sacrifice of praise. Give that sacrifice to him. Just praise him. Just show him gratitude. And you see yourself, he says, for the one that is barren, ask more children than she that bears. There are children in your womb. So even though they are physically, there are children in your womb. But God says, sing. Break forth into singing. Come out of that experience by singing praises to God. Because you have more children than those that have children. There are more children in your womb than you can imagine. He says break 14 to singing. Sing, parent. Now, look at this. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Now, I was saying to us that the reason why we need to sing is because there's something called the oil of joy. This oil is produced by songs. So every time there's an atmosphere of praise and Thanksgiving around you, that oil begins to flow the bible calls it the oil of joy so joy is not something the joy of the lord is not just something that comes there's an oil that produces it the bible calls it the oil of joy and this oil is called, it's called the anointing of god's spirit now there's a way we can continuously walk in that oil there's a way we can continuously allow that oil to flow look at it ephesians 5 verse 18 and 19 now i want you to know something you know for the people of the world When they are sorrowful, they go get drunk. So people will tell you that just drink yourself, forget your sorrow. I mean, drink to stupor, forget your sorrow. So people will let you know that every time they drink alcohol, they forget their sorrows. You know, so if someone is sorrowful in the world, he just goes to a beer parlor or you know, he just goes, just find some bottles of drink, alcoholic drink, he takes his drinks, he forgets his sorrow. And look at how Paul actually uses that as you know to explain being filled with the spirit of God. To let you know that every time you are going through a sorrowful experience. What you need to do is sing Psalms, he sing hymns and praises to God. Now he says in verse 18, he says, and be not drunk with wine wine wearing sex. Now, if you have been following this chapter 5, you will be wondering what does being drunk with wine have to do with what Paul has to say. He says, and be not drunk with wine wine wearing his The only reason why people get drunk is because they want to forget their sorrows. That's the only thing they achieve. Once once their eyes are clear, they are back to square one. But you see, when people are temporarily feeling sorrow, you know, when people are feeling sorrowful, temporarily. They take wine to just forget their sorrow. But look at what it says. It says, and be not drunk with wine when it's excess, but be filled with the spirit. So it says, for us as believers in Christ, every time you are going through something that causes heaviness in your heart, what you should do is to be filled with the spirit. How do you get filled with the spirit? This spirit of God is what I refer to the anointing of God's spirit. This anointing is the same thing the Bible refers to as the oil of joy. It's the anointing of God's spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine when it's excess, but be filled with the spirit. Verse 19. It says, speaking to yourselves. In Psalms, our names and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So, this is it. God is saying, See, when you have that experience that causes you to be sorrowful, don't go and drink yourself to super. No! He said, What you should do is get yourself filled with the spirit. Get yourself filled with the anointing. Get that oil to start flowing, that oil of joy. How do you do it? He says, By speaking to yourself. He's not saying you should go and meet a praise and worship session. No, he says, do You speak to yourself in Psalms, that means you will be alone and you begin to sing Psalms to God he says speak it to yourself in Psalms and in trans spiritual songs sing it and make it in your heart to the Lord he says that's how you get filled with the spirit now, I was saying to run that being filled with the spirit this spirit is talking about is the anointing of God's spirit and I told us that this anointing is what the Bible refers to as like the oil of God now quickly Isaiah 61 Isaiah 61 Isaiah 61 Isaiah 61 we are going from verse 1 to 3 Verse Isaiah one verse twenty three. Quickly, Isaiah just 1 verse 1 to 3. So, he has told us that instead of getting drunk with wine when you feel sorrowful, he says you should get filled with his spirit by speaking to yourself in sounds and hymns. So, that's why you need to sing when you are buried. That's why you need to break forth into singing because that is what produces the anointing. That's what produces that oil of joy. Now, look at the Isaiah 61 1 verse 1 to 3. This was a prophecy about Jesus. And Jesus himself quoted this scripture when he came on earth. He said, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good ideas unto the meek. He has sent me to me broken at death, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Now, verse 3 is really where I'm going to. It says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beautiful ashes. Now, just note those words. It says, to appoint to them that mourn in Zion. Who are those that mourn in Zion? We are the ones in Zion. So, it says, the reason why God anointed Jesus, the reason why God anointed upon Jesus was to appoint unto those that mourn in Zion beautiful ashes. He said, the oil of joy for money. You know, I was saying to us that joy doesn't just come. There's an oil that produces joy. It's called the anointing of God's spirit. That anointing is what produces joy. So when he says in the presence, there is fullness of joy. Because when you gets filled with his presence, that oil begins to flow. That anointing of God's spirit of you. He calls it the oil of joy for money. He says, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That it might be called trees of righteousness. The plantings of the Lord that it might be glorified. Now, notice this. The first thing he says is beauty for ashes. The second is oil of joy for mourning. The third is garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, reverse the order because he starts from the final one to the first. But the first thing is this for the spirit of heaviness as a believer, you need to get the garment of praise. So, Peter said in First 1 Peter 1:7, 1 he said, Don't now for a season. We are in heaviness through manifold temptation, so we are going through these trials of our faith. We are in heaviness. We are experiencing we have a heavy heart, spirit of heaviness. So Isaiah now says that the reason why they are not incapable of Jesus was so that Jesus could accord unto those among in Zion beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. Now reverse that order. Then you will understand which one comes first. Because the last one is for ashes. Before beauty comes, there has to be oil of joy for money. A person that is horrible will never look beautiful. The ashes is as a result of money. But before joy comes, there's something that must come. It's called garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So I'm going through that experience that child. She said that the reason why they are not taking came upon Jesus was to give unto us the garment of praise. So I have to wear praise as a garment to overcome the spirit of heaviness, to push that spirit of heaviness. So even though my heart is empty, I'm going through something that causes my heart to be heavy. He says, I wear the garment of praise. Once I wear the garment of praise, the next thing that happens is that oil of joy begins to flow for money. That oil of joy begins to flow. That's why I Reverse the order. The first thing that you need to do is wear the garment of praise. After you wear the garment of praise, that oil of joy begins to flow. That anointing of God's spirit, which is what it's thought about in Ephesians 5 17 and 18, where it says, Be not drunk with wine when it's excess, but be filled with the spirit of deliverance. Speaking to yourself in sounds and hymns. So, the way to be filled, the way for that oil of joy to Flow is for you to wear the garment of praise, and this is when that oil of joy begins to flow to express beauty for ashes. So you will come out of those experiences as though it never happened, you will come out of that trial right as though it never happened because there's beauty for ashes. Why is there beauty for ashes? Because oil of joy is flowing because of money, and the reason for oil of joy is because you have won the garment of praise for the spirit of happiness Now, as I round up this teaching, I just want to show us experiences of people in the faith, how they are to sing praises to God and walk in this joy for them to come out of their trial. Now, I was saying to us that joy is the view of escape. Do you now understand why you see something to the scripture. For example, if you go to James chapter 1 quickly, if you go to James chapter 1, if you go to James chapter 1, that's James chapter 1. If you go to verse 2, you will now see the instruction James gave about trials of our faith. Look at what James says, and I will show you also what the Bible says about Jesus. How Jesus too was able to enjoy his own and enjoy his own trials. Joy was the way of escape. Joy was always the way. Joy is always the way. And it will always be the way. Look at what it says in James chapter 1, verse 2. Look at what James said. Instructive. He says, My brethren, count it all, John. When you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this that the child of faith walk a patient. So I initially read just verse three and four because I knew I was going to come back. But look at what Jesus said. He says, Count it all joy. Count it all joy. When so, in other words, James is saying to you that every time you find yourself in a temptation, in a fire, count it joy. Joy is that way of escape. Now go to Hebrews chapter 12 quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. You see the same thing. The Bible says the same thing about Jesus. Jesus went through his own trial, and the way out of it was joy the only thing that caused Jesus to carry that cross they beat Jesus, he received stripes he was wounded, he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. he received all those things, they named him to the cross he said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? he said, the only reason why Jesus went through all this was because there was a joy set before him in his heart he was joyful, he knew that something was going to happen, he saw many being raised from the dead, he saw many coming into life and so that joy kept him through the trial. look at what he says in Hebrews twelve two. The Bible says looking on to Jesus the author and the finisher of our letting you know how Jesus worked the work of faith on it. He says he authored it and finished it. He says looking on to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shape. So how did Jesus go through those trials and come out perfect? He endured the cross because there was a joy set before him. In his act he was joyful. He could see the earth and that cost him joy. That joy is what made him go through the trial and come out on top. So the Bible says count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now I will say to that only shows experiences of people how they are to sing praises to God, and in the place of God, they got solutions to their challenges. Quickly, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 as we round off and we pray Acts chapter 16 Acts chapter 16, quickly, Acts chapter 16 verse 22 to 28, you know at the time Paul and Silas were arrested because of the gospel and they were locked in prison but I just want to show you, you know that's why James said is any afflicted, let him pray, is any merry, let him sing sound, so you, I was saying to God that that prayer must come with a act of gratitude, that's why I said by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your request known to God, no matter what you are going through, don't be anxious, but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let it come with Joy, let it come in joy, let it come with a heart of gratitude. Now, look at this Acts 16, verse 22 to 28. Look at what it said. He said, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Now, this was stolen of Paul and Silas when they were locked up in the priest. And when they had made many stripes upon them, they cast them into the priest, charging the jailer to keep them safe. Who, having received such a charge, throw them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, Paul and Silas were arrested. This is a popular scripture because we say that Paul and Silas they pray, they sang, the Holy Ghost came down. But let me tell you the truth. Do you understand what they did? They prayed. That's why the Bible says, "Is any of you let you pray. But guess what? The answer, the way of escape did not come until there was joy. Until they sang praises to God. Because what the praises does is that it causes the oil of joy to begin to flow. So the Bible says, and at midnight, verse 25 of Acts 16, Paul and Silas prayed. But guess what? They prayed. Quote and unquote, nothing happened. But the Bible says, and sang praises. So, look, there's a reason why God inspired the writer of the Acts of the Apostles to put this. So that you will understand how people escape from trials of their faith. Look at this, that they were preaching the gospel. They were persecuted because of the gospel. They were locked up. It was an experience that should cause them to be sorrowful. It was an experience that brought heaviness of heart. But the Bible says they prayed. When they prayed, nothing happened. Then they sang praises unto God. As they were singing praises to God, you know what happened? The oil of joy began to flow. And once the oil of joy begins to flow, there's a way of escape out of that shire. And the Bible says they sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And verse 26, the Bible says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the priests were shaking and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's pants were loose. Now think about it. If Paul and Sarah sat down in the prison and they were just complaining, or they were praying, and they were just wondering, well, why would God allow us to be in this experience? Which is what goes through the mind of an average man. When you are going to an experience that contradicts the word of God, you are wondering, but God, what God says is faithful. But God's word, this is what the word of God says. And you begin to doubt if God is faithful. But look at it. They prayed. They didn't get a solution. They began to sing praises to God. You know, they began to sing something like, Thou art worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, you know, to receive glory, honor, and power. This is what I call sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of thanksgiving, because you are in a condition where you should not praise God. It's so inconvenient, but they sang praises to God. And the Bible says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And guess what? It was not their own baths that were loose, the baths of everyone around them was loose. And the Bible says, All the prisoners heard them as they sang praises to God. Why? Because praises create joy. It causes that oil of joy to begin to flow. And joy is that way of escape. Now, let me show us a last example before we pray. Abraham, the father of faith, Genesis chapter 18, quickly. Genesis chapter 18, verse 9 to 15. Now, Abraham is the father of faith. Abraham to add an experience, and that's why the Bible says, Single Barry. Single barren, break forth into singing. You that bearest note. Know, so you know, maybe I'm talking to someone if you're on this platform and you are believing God for a child. Say, Single bare break forth into it Whatever the experience is, as far as it does not align with the word of God, he says. Paul and Silas they prayed and then they sang praises to God. He says, is then I picked said any Mary? Let him sing psalms You have to sing to God. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns as Richard said. It's called sacrifice of. So it's painful, but you have to praise God. Now Genesis eighteen. Verse 9 to 15. I cannot talk about the different examples in this part of faith and not talk about Abraham as the father of faith. Abraham had the child of his faith. God kept telling him that the father of nations. His name changed from Abraham to Abraham, from I father to father of many nations. But guess what? This guy didn't even have a child. And God told him that to the father of many nations. How would I be a father of many nations when I don't have one son to father? But you see, God kept promising him his word. God kept assuring him. God kept assuring him. But I want to show you how they eventually came out of that experience. What actually happened? now Genesis chapter 8 quickly verse 9 to 15 this is the last example and then we are going to pray. Genesis chapter 18 verse 9 to 15 the Bible says and they said unto him now there were men three visitors who were going to Sodom and the Bible says they saw Abraham and Abraham saw them and they said unto him where is Sarah thy wife and he said behold in the tent and he said I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life and lo Sarah thy wife shall have a son and Sarah had it in the tent door which was behind him now Abraham and Sarah were old and was well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So every indication, everything around them, proved that whatever it is God was promising them was not factual. It was. It didn't seem real. It didn't seem reasonable. It didn't seem physical because they were well stricken in age. She was past her time, so she was past the age of the menopause, and in fact she was ninety. Now the Bible says in verse eleven, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So she wasn't seeing her period anymore. Verse twelve. Just for Sarah laughed within herself. So say, after I'm what old, oh, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. So when Sarah heard them, tell, ask Abraham, Where is your wife? That she will have a son. The Bible says in verse 12 that Sarah heard it and laughed within herself. That means she didn't laugh out loud. In other words, you know, the Bible says she laughed within herself. That means she didn't laugh out loud. They didn't hear her laughing. But in her heart she laughed. And the laughter was. After waxing old, will I have pleasure? My Lord, in other words, our husband Abraham being old also. So the Bible says she laughed within herself. And in verse 13, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I of a short period child which I am old? Is anything to hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have the So verse 15, the Bible says, Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not. For she was afraid and is and he said Nay, but that this laugh so look at it three men were going to sodom and they said to Abraham, sarah your wife will have a son but the bible says sarah laughed within herself nobody heard her laughing but within herself she laughed because she considered their age they were too old to have children i guess what the bible says god said to Abraham, that why did sarah laugh is there anything too hard for me to do and sarah denied saying i laughed not of course, she didn't laugh out loud, so nobody could prove that she laughed. But God, who searches the ad, knew she, that she laughed. And the Bible says, for well, she was afraid. And God said, no, but you did laugh. Guess what? That laughter was the solution to the problem. Because I was saying to us that, joy is the way of escape. Now, how did I know this? If you go to Genesis chapter 21, verse 6. Genesis chapter 21, verse 6. The Bible says, and Sarah said, God has made me to laugh. Now, when did she say this? Go back to verse 5. Or let's go back to verse... 1 of, of Genesis 21. The Bible says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God has spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac, and abraham circumcised his son isaac being eight days old as god had commanded him and abraham was an hundred years old when his son isaac was one two and Sarah said god hath made me to laugh so that all that year will laugh with me guess what the name the meaning of isaac means laughter So when Sarah laughed, even though she laughed him down, and that's how beautiful God is. God is so faithful that even when you walk in unbelief, that's why the Bible says, even when we are unfaithful, God remains faithful and he cannot deny himself. Sarah did not know that that laughter was the fulfillment of the prophecy. So God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? she died. she was laughing in doubt but god said you laugh. she said i did not laugh. But god said you laugh." and guess what when they gave birth to that child they named him isaac meaning laughter so sarah said god has made me to laugh and all that year we laugh with me why was it laughter you see joy is important without joy there was no way they could come after that child if they kept complaining that oh, god keeps promising us god keeps saying yes i will have Do you have a child you have a child we have gotten old we are old and strict age, and he's still giving us those problems if they kept complaining they will never have a child now how did I know that this life was the proof? Hebrews 11. Quickly, Hebrews 11. Remember that the Bible says the job of the Lord is our strength. The job of the Lord is our strength. Now, look at the way the Bible talks about how Sarah was able to give back to a child. The Bible says the job of the Lord is our strength. There's a no reason for that. The job of the Lord is our strength. That's why when Paul prayed to God about the turn in his flesh all that God told him was my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in your weakness my strength is made perfect in your weakness but guess what the joy of the Lord is our strength look at what the Bible says Hebrews 11 verse 11 as we round up this meeting and pray Hebrews 11 verse 11 it says true faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed the question is this how did she receive strength the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength when she laughed that laughter was the fulfillment of the prophecy without joy the strength to conceive will not come because the bible says the joy of the lord is our strength so the bible says truth faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she joined him faithful so that time she laughed even though she laughed in doubt God said you laughed she said "You know, not like God said you laugh and they called the name of Isaac laughter God has made me to laugh and all that here will laugh with me you see that laughter was the sign of joy at that point she did not know that that laughter was the fulfillment of the prophecy so the Bible said by faith she received strength to conceive it's like saying by faith Joy brought the strength to conceive. That strength to conceive at the age of ninety came through joy. You know, as one of these people, I just want us to begin to sing songs unto God. I don't know the trial you are going through, and I don't know the trial you will go through in the nearest future, but I just want you to sing praises to God. Give sacrifice of praise to God because God is faithful. The Bible says God is faithful. In all those trials, in all those temptations, God is faithful. So we will offer to him sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice of death given. We will laugh in the presence of God. He says he will confess us about with songs of deliverance. He says sing, go barren. Sing, go barren. Break forth into singing. Break out of that barrenness by singing. We will sing songs and hymns as spiritual songs to God. Because God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond that which we can bear. God is faithful. With a merry heart we will fellowship with him. With a merry heart knowing that God is faithful. God on its facebook call don't say to the people, cause of God you take it that is the land. it's not the son of man that is the man of if he has something he will do if he has something he will be to God is faithful God is faithful therefore through joy through joy we escape from every trial through joy we escape from every temptation every experience that contradicts one of us joy we escape in the name of Jesus we sing psalms we sing spiritual songs we offer sacrifice of praise we sing to him even when it's not convenient we praise God even when it's not convenient be give them man cattle rab, shatdala rab, man lekoja, iba rades, elleg dos, elra kaja devakata, because you are faithful, you are too faithful to fail, you are too faithful to fail, man cattle rab, shatdala rab lekoja, azana shanda, you are God the Lord, man go from before time began, you are on the throne, you are God the Lord, man right now, man for even in the trying times, you are God the Lord, you are on your throne, man I will worship you. You are God alone. You are faithful to your words. You are not matter to you. We offer sacrifice of praise sacrifice of thank you. Oh, God, not the oil of joy, oil of joy for money, garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. We wear that garment of praise. We wear praise as a garment every day of our lives. Oh, man, I I will bless the Lord at all times. His presence continually be my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times, my God, In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. God, Oh God, In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In everything, in everything, give thanks. give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In everything, we rejoice. We In the name of Jesus. We bless the Lord at all times. His is continually in our mouth. We bless the Lord at all times. His praise is continually in our lips. Oh, Maracay. We bless the Lord at all times. Glory to God. We bless the Lord at all times. Our We say son. We Oh, God is faithful. God is faithful. In that respect, God is faithful. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect. His strength is made perfect now. Oh, thank you for your joy. Thank you for your joy, oh God. Thank you for beauty, for ashes. The oil of joy, for money. The garment of praise for the spirit of evidence. Therefore, we are called trees of righteousness. The blast is of the Lord. In everything, God is glorified. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Pastor prayer. Oh mark the calabash and like brother then because we know that all this work together for our good all this work together for our good Manda that calabash uncle thank you jesus for such prayers in jesus name